So let's see, can, am I on here? Or? Yes, okay. Praise the Lord. This, this is my joy and my honor to be here today. It's been a long time since I've been here. Uh, we actually, with the college, we've had um, touring groups over the years that started many years ago. And if I tell you how many years, you'll look at me and go, how can she do all that when she's only 29 years old? Just kidding. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but um, no, we, we did some touring and we came here on and off as well. And so I'm just honored to be back. And Kevin was actually, I think he was going to school, wasn't he? Yeah, um, that's how, how long ago we've known each other. <laughs> but I'm, I'm honored to be here. This is... Uh, this is a stalwart place of the gospel. It remains steadfast. And the Lord loves that. The Lord loves you. And um, in preparing for today, um, my, my thinking and my heart went all over the place since I have memories of being here and um, knowing the Penimans and knowing their steadfastness and it's like, Lord, what exactly do you want me to say? And this is kind of the idea that he placed in my heart that you have been designed with destiny. Your being here, the church, number one, and number two, you personally, you being here is not an accident, that he has got some very specific things in mind. You've been designed with destiny, and he's been given a promise to you, and it's a journey of a promise realized. Um, I have always been an admirer of good design. Uh, from furniture to floor plans for houses and things like that, my brother Orlin is an architect um, and down in a mission down in Texas on the border of Mexico and Texas, in fact in their backyard you could look across the ravine to Mexico, um, they went down there as uh, missionaries, actually he was by himself, he met his wife down there, she's from Peru, and uh, with his design their need was an architect. So he ended up designing like three or four of the buildings down there and they all have kind of the same look with the arch and that kind of thing. So this, this, this architecture thing is kind of cool and I like design in cars. My dad's been interested in cars and so we'd sit at the table, you know, way back in the day and they'd discuss cars. We'd go on road trips. Didn't do a whole lot of plane trips back then, it was road trips. And it wasn't double highways, it was just one highway. So you saw the car coming. And the contest was with my brothers and my dad to take a look at that car coming and saying, all right, what's the make, what's the model, what's the year? You know, it's like, and you know, who, who gets that first? So that whole design thing, what's unique about it? You know? um, so design is kind of an interesting thing. So consequently, even at the supper tables, um, we have, our, our big thing is, is napkins. Somebody would get an idea. Here's a napkin. Start drawing it out and then everybody takes a look at it. So this whole design idea has been kind of in my, my head and heart just since I was a kid. And then when I start to consider the vastness of the world, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at the variety that God put in this world. I mean, it's colors, it's textures, nature, looking at the sky day by day, sunsets in my rearview mirror, uh, stars at night. I'm amazed. We, I, I live in the college dorm. I'm actually the dorm mom. And so uh, when you take a little drive around the back, there's an open field. And I just did this this last week. Actually, I was riding my bike and I went around the back and I just stopped. And the sunset, the west is on the back side of that field. It's just amazing. I have to stop. I'm blown away about what God does. 
the cl cloud formations and things like that, all the way to each one of us. So if he put that much thought into the fields, into the clouds, into the stars, into the sun, I think about his prized possession are his people. He made us to be with him. He breathed his very life into us. We are treasures of his. We're important to him. I believe there's over seven, maybe more now, about seven billion people on the face of the earth. And when God designed each person, each person was unique, is unique. No two people are the same. Think about that kind of design. No two people in seven, eight billion are the same. Not even twins. Not even identical twins. They look exactly the same. They're not. They still have different interests, that sort of thing. I have twins. My son is one of two. <laughs> um, they are not identical. They are fraternal. So he has a sister, um, a twin, and she's down in the Atlanta, Georgia area and uh, went to school down there and found the love of her life. And so they're, they're hanging out in Georgia. So I understand twins. They did a lot of things together. And since they were boy and girl, they didn't fight a whole lot because they actually liked each other. They were <laughs> had different approaches. Now listen to this. This is how God speaks to Jeremiah in the Bible. God. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Jeremiah. Say what? I am too young. I can't speak for you. Uh, no way. God. Don't say I'm too young or any other excuse. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. Don't be afraid of the people. For I will be with you and protect you. And he goes on and he said, I'll put words in your mouth and I'll give you the strength to say everything you need to say. So, Say everything I'm asking you to say. In verse 12, chapter 1, he says, And certainly I will carry out all of my plans. Wow. God's got a huge assignment for Jeremiah. And he goes, oh, You've got to be kidding me, God. Uh, no, you know what those people are. Uh -uh. Don't be afraid. I will do it. I will accomplish it. So here we go. This morning, um, I'm wanting us to grasp basically three, three truths. Number one, you are designed with destiny. Number two, we must believe the promise. And when you believe it, you prepare for it. And number three, we must possess the promise. That means we've got to live in it. You have to possess it to be able to live in it. So designed with destiny, God has never designed anything or anyone to be a failure. That is not in his plan. Notice I said, no design to be a failure. Do we fail at times? Yes, we do. But we learn from these errors. We get up, we grow, and we move ahead. This is a happening. Failures are a happening in life that God will utilize as a step in our process of growth with him, but it does not define us. It does, failures do not define us. It is not who we are. We are his. We must remind ourselves that we were made in the image of God, and we have to declare Psalm 139, 14 that says we are fearfully now, that doesn't mean scared. That means filled with awe and amazement. It's like, whoa, that kind of fearfully. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we declare to the Lord, marvelous are thy works. 
and that my soul knows very well. So we have to be in such a relationship that our soul can know it. We can recognize this destiny that's been given to us. This my soul knows very well. Romans 8.31 reminds us that God stands with us. We are his very own. If God is for me, it says in Romans 8.31, who can be against me? So what's the context here? When we go back up to verse 28, for we know, again, this is knowing. The only way we can get to that point of knowing is to be in relationship and know the one who's making that statement very well. Because it's their integrity that goes with their words, right? If somebody just says something and, you know, they're, they're just, they just lie all the time and whatever, it's like, yeah, whatever. But when you get to know God, he's a, he's a person sent through Christ. We, we saw it and we see it in Christ. And he means what he says and he has all the ability to accomplish everything he says he's going to do. So we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So tough times come, even mistakes, but God works. In us, works in me. It's phenomenal. Paul recognized this destiny of, a design of destiny, de- destiny and was determined to go after it with everything that he had in him. He says, I will apprehend that which I've been apprehended for. God placed his hand on me, and I, am, I know it very well, says, and I am going to press and apprehend that for that very thing that I know that's in the core of my being that God put there. I'm going to press toward it. That was Paul's thought. I'm not just going to say, well, maybe. I'll just kind of float around and see what happens. I have, I have a sense, you know, you have a sense in your heart. I, I, I have a feeling that God is doing this. Apprehend it. Go for it. Go for it. Jeremiah 31.3, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Thank you, God. Nothing cancels that out. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you to myself. I pull you to myself. That's back in Jeremiah. Wait a minute. Didn't we just read that Jeremiah? He said to Jeremiah, I want you to go do this. And Jeremiah's like, no, 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 no. Now he goes on. (laughs) He says, this is how I've loved you. Jeremiah steps into it. He says, okay. And here's another continuation of Jeremiah 29, 11, and to 14. He says, for I know, and I know you know this verse, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. God's thinking about you. Have you thought about the fact that he's thinking about you? That's amazing. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace, not evil, to give you an expected end or a hope. An expected end. It's good. God has always had a plan of destiny for you. For General Shepherd. God has always had a plan of destiny. It is not by accident. So when we look at Joshua 1 and we look at this awesome promise given, this promise was given to a people, not just a generation. It's like, okay, this has lasted this long. Okay, okay, bye-bye. I mean, when you look at General Shepherd. General Shepherd has had a vision and a calling and a destiny a long time ago. It is still here. It is still here. The promise has not gone away. It's to a people. Not just one person. Not just in one circumstance, but to a people who were chosen by God. And we fit as a people into that promise because we were been grafted into the vine through Jesus Christ and through his blood. So this physical, tangible promise that we've been looking at is an example 
here in Jeremiah of the fulfillment of promises that God gives to you as well. This promise was first given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm just going to jump over here to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 34. In this part of the story, this was given to Moses initially. Moses had brought them through Egypt right to the edge of the promise. Fulfillment was so close. It was like just over there. I mean, when I think again on my brother and sister-in-law, it's just like right across the ravine. You know, it's so close. It was so close. Well, you know, they had to process that a little bit and <laughs> walk through some doubt. And now here in 5 and 8, Moses is, is now dying. He's the one that went through that whole thing and then took him 40 years. And they went around and around. And now they're on the edge again. Here it is. Here it is. And now Moses dies. What is up with that? Let's take a little look at this. Um, Moses, this is kind of the setting, climbed up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and the top of Fisgah across from Jericho. Jericho is across that ravine. He's looking at that place. Though the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, this, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the whole region of the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised to the oath of Abraham. He's talking to Moses now. Moses said, same promise. It's given to Abraham. And so now he's telling Moses, this is the land I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give this to your descendants. I will let you see it with your eyes, but you will never cross over. Owie. Owie. Does that mean Moses didn't have a plan? No. His plan was to get everybody together, walk through the, and get him to that point once again. He had an assignment. He had a destiny. Okay, now he's dying. Now what? Does this promise die with Moses? No. Moses, the servant of the Lord, I'm on uh, verse 5 now of Deuteronomy 34. Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. Uh, he buried him in Moab in the valley opposite of Beth Por. But to him... But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, his strength was not gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping was over. Now what? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, you know what happened? And then, <laughs> now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. Hmm. It's interesting. Because down in verse 10, it says, there had been no one like Moses in Israel. No one who had seen the Lord face to face until that point. Except, of course, Adam and Eve, way back. No one who had done the miracles that Moses had done and now this is what's happening with Joshua the spirit of wisdom because of Moses Moses had laid his hands on him so the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded amazing did the promise die no do we make mistakes yes do we learn from those we should do we press back into God and say, show me, Jesus, what I need to do? Yes. Do seasons come and go in our lives? Yes. Does the promise end? No. 
It does not. It does not end. We read in Joshua 1 that the promise prevailed. Why? Because it was given by God and God would see it through. I ask you, has God given you a promise? Yes. If he gave it, he'll perform it. Do not lose hope. Wow. Can I grab that water? I'm just feeling the breeze. Oh, uh, yeah, thanks. It's getting stuck right here. It's going to make me weep in a minute. (laughs) Isn't that something? The Lord speaks again, this time to Joshua, saying to him, basically, you have the same promise to oversee the people here. And it's interesting, within, within four verses, three times, just within four verses, three times, the Lord says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And that's not three times in a whole chapter. That's within four verses. So I'm thinking Joshua probably needed a little bit. Really? Second time. Okay. <laughs> Third time, all right, yeah, you know, uh, three times, you know, they say in, um, in the, the scholar language of Hebrew, they say repetition in Hebrew is like an exclamation point being made by God. And three times in four verses, here we are, wow, this is God's charge to Joshua, So he's saying, be strong and courageous. The second one is obey all the laws. Don't forget them. Meditate on them. Why meditation? Why do we have to think about these things so much? Focused intentional thinking on God's ways is essential to reach God's results. So if we kind of get the promise and then we kind of go, cool, I know the plan. Here I go. And we start going for the plan. It goes, um, that's not the route. <laughs> uh, you, you're kind of getting the idea of where you need to go. But man, you're not taking the route I'm laying out here. There's, some, there's a path. People I want you to encounter. Things that are going to be changed when, when you encounter this person and that city. And So we need to meditate on the laws of the Lord. What are they? I need to accomplish things God's ways. We need to stay on course to receive God's results. Obedience, even for today, obedience right now is, in this day, always, it's always been. But it's so very important, even in the smallest things. I mean, pay attention to the small things. When God whispers to your heart and he said, hey, this is the way, walk in it. Okay, Laura, well, you know, I am so tired right now. I mean, do you realize, God, that'll take me 15 minutes out of my way? <laughs> and he goes, yeah. But the appointment that I've got for you is going to affect a life f- for their lifetime. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll go the 15 minutes out of my way. We need to be obedient all the way through. Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word, that's why we meditate on the word, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. If I don't meditate on these things, I don't really know what he's saying and, and how to walk in it. I need to know. I need to meditate on it. Thy word, Psalm 119.105, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I got to see where I'm going. I got to see where I'm going. The principles of God usher in the reality of the promise of God. So you want to see the reality come to pass of that thing, that destiny? Walk in the principles. The principles of God usher in the reality. God is saying, don't turn away from me. I'm the one who made the promise. I'm the one that can and I will perform it. Success follows love obedience in my ways. And why do I say love obedience? Because I don't want to, be, I don't want to disobey because I'm going to get whacked. God's going to come upside my head. And 
so I better obey. Now this is love obedience. It's like I recognize how much you've given for me and how much you love me. We've already established that. And because of that, man, I trust you. I trust you, Lord. So I choose to obey you. I'm going to do it your way. God is saying, don't turn away from me. I'm the one who made the promise. I will do it. Does that mean in this promise, this process, there's no hardship? Yeah. No. Oh. Will this life journey be without discouragement? No. Hmm. Will it be without loss and without pain? No. Ow. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, you're going to have troubles. There is trouble. Scripture says it rains on the just and the unjust. It's like everybody's going to have trouble. But it's what you do in the point of trouble that makes a difference. Do not fear, for I have overcome the world. So in this world, you're going to have troubles. But don't worry. Don't fear. Don't freak out about that. Because I've got it all under control. (coughs) Sorry. It's the breeze. It's flowing freely. So number one, be strong and courageous, he's telling them. Number two, <coughs> sorry, ooh, obey the laws. Three, meditate on it night and day. Four, the fourth instruction to Joshua, don't be fearful for God is with you wherever you go. Understand you are designed with destiny in mind and all these instructions are of preparation and of readiness. So not only, number one, do we need to understand that we are designed with destiny, but number two, we need to believe the promise. A lot of people can say things to you. I'm going to do this, or you're doing that. Man, you are great. But are you going to believe it? Sometimes we don't. It's like, oh, great. Yeah, thanks. Okay, good. But if God says it, I've got something for you. I've got a design with destiny. I choose to believe it because of the source. Believe it and then prepare for it. Here's a powerful statement. Your actions reveal what you believe. Your actions reveal what you believe. I do believe, so I will ready myself for it because I know God's going to do it. Joshua 1.10. Joshua is speaking to the people now, and he said, okay, here we go. We are going over. Get the supplies ready for three days from now. You will cross the Jordan here in, and then you will go in and take the promise that the land the Lord has given to you that you can call it your own. How about us? Have you been seeking God for the fulfillment of a promise? Man, I've been asking God for years. I thought he promised this to me. But the question, how have I been spending those years? If that promise, you know, it could be, for those guys it was 40 years. How have you been spending your years knowing and believing this is the promise? If I believe it, I'm going to be preparing. Whether it's two years 10 years, 40 years, I'm going to be preparing. Now we've been preparing and readying ourselves for the moment. And then here it comes. Boom. Now, Joshua says, here it is. Here it is. We've seen instructions for readiness and for preparation. And then all of a sudden, here's the instruction for movement. Possession of that promise. Oh, so two days later, Joshua 3.3, 3, Joshua addresses the people. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things am- among you. It's here. 
it's time, boom. The consecration involves the priests. In verse six, take the ark. I want you to cross over ahead of the people. Now the ark represents the presence of the Lord. The Lord leads us. The Lord leads you. He knows the way. He knows the way. He said, I've got your back. That's back in verse seven. Today, I've got your back and I'm going to exalt you in the eyes of Israel. He's telling this to Joshua prior and he goes, oh, okay, here we go. So now's the time. Let's be trustworthy so God can mark us with the image of himself so he can be exalted in and all. So here they are. This is the last powwow, last conversation Joshua's having with the people before they break camp and they're going to head out. Per God's instructions, the priests carry the ark into the water. The water stops way upstream where they walk in. Joshua chooses 12 men, one from each tribe. And he says, now when, we, when the water stops, you're going to go in and you're going to, after we, after we pass through, you're going to pick up a large, large stone from the middle of the dry Jordan. And it goes, okay. So here they are. The people break camp and, and we are going. The 12 go to the Jordan. With the large stones, people have got, walked through. And now everybody is on the other side. These 12 um, men that have from the tribes have got their stones. They're on the other side. And what do they do? They take those stones and they set up a, mem- a memory an altar, and they worship God. Joshua set up that reminder of God's promise and God's performance of fulfillment. Then the priest came to shore, and all the water was released, and it, poof, it flooded down. Now, you kind of go, wait a minute, I thought you said it was dry ground on the Jordan River. There's two times in the Bible where we see dry ground. And this is the second one. We talk a lot about the first one. This is the second one. And it was dry ground when the Israelites went over. But yet those stones, and when the priests had been up and had held, stopped the water and it was dry ground in the Jordan, the whole nation goes through and they take those stones away and that water rushes in. Why would it be so much water? This happens to be harvest time and it's flood zone time actually on the calendar. So, I mean, the fact that they (laughs) went through, it's not like an explanation. Sometimes you hear people say, yeah, well, you know, it was just a river that was kind of trickling at the time, you know, and that's why everybody got to go through. Uh Uh-uh. This was flood zone time. This is harvest, harvest time. So when that river and those waters stopped and dry ground happened on the Jordan River, that is an incredible miracle that also displays that God is behind Joshua. He's been behind Moses all these years, and now it's just kind of a vindication that God has marked Joshua as the next leader. It's amazing. God, when God does something, there's so many little things, so many ramifications, we miss a lot of it. Do we spend enough time in the Spirit in your daily life? When God does something, it's like, okay, so cool. What do you say? What do you say? There's so much here. I can't, I can't miss it. I don't want to miss it. I want to be used for your glory and for your kingdom. And I want the power of God to come forth. We want change in the spirit. Now I'm getting looks out here. <laughs> so they've arrived. The movement has been made toward their destiny. And now the possession. They've just crossed over. Woo! <laughs> But have they totally, they, they made it over, but have they actually possessed yet? Um, wow, this is great. Do we stop here? No. No, we got to keep moving because now we have to live in it, right? In the possession, you got to live in it. So we got to recognize that there is a destiny, that God set one forth, and then we have to believe it, which means if we are actually believing, we're preparing for it, and then you got to possess it. And you're obeying God through this whole process. So now they got to (laughs) move. they got to move into it. Dr. David Cirillo, 
made a comment here. He said, it's critical to understand having the title to your promised land is not the same thing as occupying it. Interesting, isn't it? I got the title to a car or a house or whatever, but are you in it? You got to possess it. You know, you got to get in it. I got to live in this promise. Big difference. Wow. The big first test of faith and obedience of living in their destiny came super quick. Because remember when they were on the other side and they were looking over? What did they see? Jericho. <laughs> okay, now they're over and they're going, uh, big city, big walls, uh, and we're supposed to possess this? Say what? How do we do that? Mm. Wow. <laughs> Here's a little bit of the plan. Okay. All right, I'm going to send a couple of you spies in. You're going to just case the joint, you're going to see what is happening. And you're going to come up, and you're going to let me know. So they go, and as, as they're casing the place, people in Jericho, the, the rulers, they get wind of it. Where are those spies? I'm coming after those spies. Where are they? Where do they end up? Who ends up hiding them? Do you remember? Rahab. Who was Rahab? She was a harlot. Say what? We're talking about the almighty God. And a harlot is going to be used by God? Yeah. She puts them on the roof. She says, now be really super quiet because they're going to be, they're coming to every house. They are looking for you. Just stay right here. Stay under this blanket. They come through. They check the whole thing out. She goes, oh. <laughs> and they leave. And so the, the bad guys leave. And so then the guys come down from up on the roof. And they say, I promise you, when we take this territory, you and your household will be saved. She goes, all right, we'll, we'll set up a sign. And that's when the scarlet um, piece of cloth came down over around the wall. They could go, oh, that, there she, that's her house right there. So now it comes time. They get, they get okay, here it is. I've got the layout and... We need to save Rahab. She saves us. We got to save her. So they get there. Um, and <laughs> this is such a crazy thing. Rahab ends up being totally saved, and I'll get to that in a minute. But we come back and we, we watch the plan. God gives it to Joshua. And here's obedience again. You just have to trust God because... Sometimes things look so foreboding in front of you, you kind of go, is this even possible? You know? I mean, do I even dare trust God? Yes, I do. But we got to listen to the plans. We got to. So here, here it is. This whole thing about Rahab is so cool because she ends up being saved at the end. And here's this, what, this is what this tells me. Where you've been in the past doesn't negate your promise in Christ for the future. It really doesn't. Why? We're reminded John 3, 16, God so loved the world. He loves people. People. People are important to God. He made people to communicate with him. He loves people. And he saves people. He saved Rahab. It's amazing. God is good. So where you've been in the past doesn't negate your promise in Christ for the future. So if you've kind of been wandering around, I just encourage you to come back to the way of your design destiny because it's still there. Hasn't been negated at all. Still there for you. So anyway, now back to the guys. <laughs> How are we going to get in now? They bring the report back. I see, I see several things here. I see, number one, movement. They had to do something. They had to engage themselves in the plan of the king. They weren't sitting doing nothing. Okay, it's been promised. It's just going to happen. They had to get engaged in it. That's why you need to be in relationship with Jesus. You have to be in communion so that you can know the plan. 
<laughs> so you can walk in it. It's just not like I got my, you know, fire insurance when I got saved and I'll do whatever I want. And then, no, this is a life journey, which is totally exciting. So they had to do, they had to engage. They had to prepare themselves, which we already talked about, and they had to move. Secondly, in this plan, silence was involved. Now, you probably remember the story. They had to go six times march around Jericho. Trumpets are blasting, but as far as talking goes, zero. None. They couldn't talk, no singing. That would be super hard for me. <laughs> Music person. <I'm> like, <laughs> right? It'd be, that, victory is a comment. Mm, <laughs> you know, all the trumpets are blaring. I thought about that. Why the silence? Six days. Six days in silence. Why silence? Scripture doesn't really specifically say, but if it were up to me, I'm thinking... Maybe it was to prevent, like, doubt talk or something like that, you know. Like, really? <laughs> Is this plan really going to work? I mean, we're not doing anything except walking around. Hello? I, who knows? It could have been just like, don't talk because you're just not going to be talking about the right things right now. It's like, hmm, you're doing this. You know, I don't, I don't really know because the scripture doesn't say why he said no talking. That's my guess. But they have to have movement, intentional action, intentional obedience, and then no talking. Third thing, I see patience and perseverance. Didn't happen on the first day. Well, they could just line up and shout the victory. Woo, it's ours. Uh, they couldn't do that right away. They had to have some patience. Didn't happen on the first day. Nope. Silence, seven days. I bet it also created some sort of, think about this, fear in the enemy's camp at all. They are still walking around. They're not saying anything. What are they doing? I don't know. By the third day, they're doing that again. What, what are they They're not doing anything. Fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Just get ready. I, sometimes the plan of the Lord, it really isn't about you. It's about what's happening on the other side. The enemy is shaking in his boots, and I feel like that's happening in our generation right now. When I look around, I see the enemy shaking in his boots. And he is putting up a big fuss. Because he doesn't know the plan of the Lord. He's like he's in Jericho going, what are they doing? Okay, get there. Get there. I, I just feel like the enemy is on the edge of freaking out. I really do. And he's just throwing a bunch of stuff and taking pure things. Pure things. And adding all this other stuff on it to make it not good. But they're good things. And I'm going to get a little political right here. Like Black Lives Matter. That is probably one of the most pure statements there is. I don't, I think it's more than matter though. Sorry, I get emotional. Got Got a lot of friends. Black lives more than matter. Black lives are essential. So to me, that statement is a God statement. And it's so pure, so true. I want you to know that. It is a true statement. But it's more than that. It's more than just mattering. And then because, and this is just a perspective, just because it's so pure, and all of America knows it, I feel like all these other things have attached themselves to it. And God says, no, my people are my people. I feel like the enemy is freaking out because truth is coming out. 
I don't know if we're on day six or if we're on day four in our timetable. I have no idea. But I do know the day is coming because we read about it in Revelation when Jesus is going to come back and he's going to make truth known. All the purity, all the truth is going to be revealed. And it's going to be beautiful. But it's going to be devastating at the same time to those who don't believe that Jesus is Lord and that he loves, that he died for, and he is called, and he has a destiny in mind. And fulfillment is on its way. So, again, that was just like my little side note there. (laughs) Again, I don't know what day we're in right now, but I know God is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, and he's going to call all of us that love him and adore him um, to himself. And it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. So here we are, day seven. Day seven comes around. (laughs) Trumpets are blowing. Of course, they've been blowing the trumpets for six days. But what they haven't been doing is crashing the lamps and the woo! And they haven't been talking, right? So now he says, I don't want you to talk. I want you to shout. So not only did they just go around one time, because on the other days they just went around one time and went back to camp. And again, people are freaking out. Seventh day, we're going around seven times. And on that seventh time, on that seventh day, we are making noise. We are making noise. And so here it comes. Seven, woo! Crashing. Oh, trumpets blaring. I mean, (laughs) and what happens? Walls fall down. Walls fall down. Woo! Man, I love victory, don't you? I just want you to know that in your personal lives, victory is in store. Understand you have a destiny. Understand and believe that destiny destiny, and prepare for it. Just, just walk your lives, live your lives preparing your, yourself. Having a sense of what God does and is in you, prepare for it. Stay in the word, obey the laws, meditate on him. And then there is... An, a fulfillment of that destiny within you. Do you under, are you guys with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? I believe that for General Shepherd. I believe that for my life. I believe that for your lives. That God has got something much bigger in mind for you than maybe you would have ever seen or ever imagined. Grab hold of it. Believe it. Prepare for it. And walk in the fulfillment of it. Okay? Now, in some cases, realize that you may need to drive out or evict the ones living in your destiny. Reminded not that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but in, well, with principalities and powers of wickedness in high places. That means we must pray. Prayer is key to unlocking the victory. Do you believe that? So... I have um, just been a part of a prayer group for the last uh, month. And I cannot believe how that's just... I've been a believer for many, many years. But I cannot believe how this unleashed a vision and all these kinds of things. So I'm, I'm just saying, prayer must be a part. And we, when we wrestle in the spirit... This is where victory is. It's not flesh and blood. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight principalities is where we fight. In the heavenly places, we get on our knees and we cry out to God. These prayer meetings that I'm in last over two hours. It's crazy cool. So crazy cool. And I experienced the power of God in ways that I, I can't say I've experienced for many, many years. So I encourage you, get into prayer. I want to go, I'll give you... Um, Where did I find her quote? 
I gotta give this to you, so let me find it. Dr. Lucas, it's a, a woman preacher out of New York. Prayer is the key to victory. The battle is being decided in the heavenlies, not on things here on earth. If you lose the battle on earth, that means you've already lost it in the heavenlies. Whoa. It's so important to pray. That's where the victory starts. Where that's where the vision starts. That's where the coming in contact with our destiny and the realization of it comes in prayer, in relationship. Why Jesus loves you. He died for you. He's called you to himself. That's why he made you. Oh, Jesus, help us. We love you, Lord. I thank you, God, for the destiny that you have given to this place. I thank you, Lord, that the death for the destiny you have given to every person in this place. And if they're not even in attendance today, but they belong to this place, great destiny. Thank you, God, that as they step in and believe your word, <laughs> they take it in. They prepare for it. And Lord, then when the time of possessing that, possessing that promise happens, they will step into it. There will be movement. And they'll have moments of silence to get the clarity. What are you saying, God? What are you saying? And then they'll keep moving. And Lord, I thank you that when things get a little bit difficult and we pause... Your word says in Ephesians, having done all to stand. That's all our preparation, everything. Having done all to stand, the command is stand therefore in the mighty power of God. So we will stand when we should stand. We will walk when we should walk. Always, Lord, covered in prayer. And Lord, for some of us maybe who uh, have walked away from our destiny, God, we just, we just repent right now and say, I'm sorry, Lord. I recognize you've got huge things in store for me. I thank you, Lord, that the thoughts that you have for my life are not negated. They never have been. They're still there. Now I'm going to go back and pick that up and walk in you. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, those for, that have been walking in, in your path this entire time, I pray for encouragement. I pray for standing tall. I pray for standing tall that comes out of knees being bent as they pray. And then they rise up in you and take territory in you. Thank you.